If you don't already, if you grab your notes, uh, we're going to dive in. We're finishing up a series, a five-part series entitled Grow out of the book of Mark, and it's in this uh, spot in the book of Mark where Jesus is telling these series of parables, and it's all about what the kingdom of God is like or how to grow. How do you grow personally? How do we grow as a community? Uh, And we said this, uh, that Webster defines grow this way, to spring up and to develop to maturity, to have an increasing influence, to become increasingly acceptable acceptable or attractive. And and as we look around at the world around us, we notice this, that that it's either doing one of two things. It's either growing or it is dying. Uh, And growth, and we said this, everything healthy grows, but not all growth is healthy. And so as you look at your own life, there is this deep longing and this deep desire for growth. And yet as you look at your own life, there are things that have grown that are not healthy as well. Everything healthy is growing. You look at the plant world, you look at, uh, you know, uh, in nature and reproducing, but not everything healthy grows, and you think about viruses grow, and you think about rust on cars grow, you think about a relationship that was once growing so hot in fire and love can grow, what, cold and distance. And, and so what we see all around us is that growth is normal, growth is natural, and growth is necessary for life, for you and for me. It is just an absolute normal part of our life. It's natural. It's something that we see around us. And yet, one of the things we don't realize is it's necessary. If we're not growing, then something is wrong. One of the things you may not know, though, is that uh, growth is actually a sign or an indicator or points to something deeper. See, your longing to grow, and I don't know what the area it is for you, and it might be in your marriage, it might be uh, at work, it might be in a specific relationship, it's probably some internal stuff of who you are, Uh, and maybe it's with your anger, maybe it's with your thought life. That longing actually points to something deeper. See, our longing for growth points to our longing or need for God. It does every single time because it is this longing and and that's why these parables when it's talking about the kingdom of God, it's talking about growth because here's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is simply life as it was always designed to be lived. And when we are growing, we're becoming more who you were made to be, to live into who you were made to be. See, we were fundamentally designed for God. And so when Jesus is telling these parables, telling us, hey, this is what it means to grow. This is what the kingdom of God is like. He's saying, this is what life as it was always designed to be lived. All those pursuits outside of you, all those dreams, all those things that you've been running towards, they're great. But if you miss this core reality, it will be empty and hollow. And yeah, you may grow your job. You may grow your 401k. You may grow and expand your family. But at the core, it will end up hollow, unhealthy, if it doesn't have its anchor. Here's what Jesus is saying on him. 
And, and when I look at my own life and I look at the areas that I go, man, I long to see growth. I, I often go back to a passage, Galatians 5, 22. It's often uh, known as the fruit of the Spirit because Jesus, or Paul says it's the fruit of the Spirit. That's why it's called that. Thank you very much. And, and it, it really represents more of the deeper longing of what I want to see happen in me. It says, the fruit of the Spirit. Life as you were intended or designed to be, kingdom life, is first and foremost love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Gentleness. Faithfulness. And self-control. See, if I'm really honest... What I want my wife to be able to say about me is he is a man of love, and he loved me well. On the last day, if, you know, when, if I died before her, which is most likely because all her, her grand, great-grandma lived to 102, so she's got a whole other life after me, you know? I'd love for her to say, man, he loved me well. More, more than what I accomplished See, we want to grow in things that really don't matter much a lot of the times at the end of the day. Isn't it true? Man, he was filled with joy. Think about that. If your coworkers, if that's what they notice first about you. Man, he's, I, I know it's stressful and he's knocking it out, but there's just something about his countenance, man. He's, he's joyful. She just, she just brings, when she walks into the room, she just lights up the room. All right, man, I want to be that, that person. Or, or, or I want my kids to know, man, my dad brought peace. He was patient with me. He was, he, he was kind and gentle. Think about it. See, the question isn't how do we grow as much as it is, is how do we grow in the areas that matter most? How do you experience not just external changes in your life, how do you experience internal life change that begins to permeate all of your life? That's what we've been talking about for the last five weeks, and as Jesus closes it up, he's going to point to something that is so obvious that we often overlook it. Let's just read the text, and then we'll dive in just a little bit. Uh, Jesus in Mark 4 uh, verse 30, he tells yet another parable, and it's another agricultural parable. And a parable is simply a story with a deeper meaning or point to it. And he writes this. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Life as it was intended to be. And that's why Jesus came, by the way, was to restore life as it was always intended to be. To to allow us to experience joy, peace, patience, kindness, to, to have a, what he said, I came that your joy might be complete and full. He says, this, what shall we call the kingdom of God? This full life, not this weird, ethereal, one day, someday. What, what shall we call this tangible reality of life as it was always designed to be? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Verse 31, it, it is like a mustard seed, 
which is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. Now, mustard seed, for those who are really into horticulture, it isn't the smallest seed on the face of the planet. And most of us know it. It's a proverbial saying in their day. Uh, is They always connected things that mattered back to a mustard seed. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But mustard was like one of the big things, new things in the Roman Empire. The Romans are the first to ever um, actually begin to develop our modern day form of mustard. Think about it. Jesus actually had a form of mustard that was similar to us, which is kind of interesting. So this proverbial saying, though, in their day is, is something little, something small, something that feels um, yeah, itty-bitty. They would always compare it to a mustard seed. And it says, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And see, we all want to experience life change. That's what's common, by the way, of every single person in this room. There's a hunger in you to see some part of you begin to grow and develop. And that hunger ultimately points to your hunger for God. Your desire or longing to be in right relationship and restored life, the kingdom of God. But how? Do we grow in the areas that matter most? And Jesus here takes something so incredibly obvious that we often overlook it. Now, we, met, we do this all the time, by the way, so it happens in life. Think about this. You, you ever, like, were trying to fix, like, maybe a computer or your TV, and somebody walks in the room and says something really obvious? Well, they say something like this. Well, did you try plugging it in? And you're like, I wouldn't be working on this so long if I tried plugging it in. And then have you ever had, because I've had the experience where then you go back and look, oh, yeah, yeah probably should have, <laughs> probably should have plugged that in. Right? Yeah, I mean, this has happened to me. You ever been looking for your sunglasses only to have someone tell you that they're on your head? Never? <laughs> right? I, I mean, I, I was just thinking of another one. Keys. This happened to me too. Like searching everywhere frantically for my keys, and then they're in my back pocket. And sometimes, some people suggest some things so obvious that we get offended by it. Yeah, of course I tried that, and then later, like, mm, okay, maybe I missed that. <laughs> and I think it's the obvious things that we tend to overlook because we dismiss them. Because, well, of course. And Jesus here is making such an obvious point about how we grow. But I think we often overlook it. So there's nothing where you're going to go like, wow, never saw that before. But could it be? Could it be that we've overlooked it in this process of really experiencing life change, really growing personally? Here's what Jesus says, boiled down in one big idea in this verse here. Growth always begins absolutely small. It always begins. It's the starting place. It always begins small. Now, here's the problem with growth. And I didn't get a small bag of uh, mustard seed. I ordered it on Amazon, so I had no idea. And uh, I was going to do a pound. I'm like, I don't know how many pounds is a... Apparently, a pound would have been plenty. This is massive, five pounds. So if you need mustard seeds, I got some, all right? I'll get, it, get you a deal. We're good, okay? But here's the thing with, with growth that we often overlook, and you guys were handed some mustard seeds, and you probably have lost them already. 
But just get them out. Just kind of get them in your hand. Fill them. And just look at this. I mean, and I know there's actually other mustard seeds that are even small. Here's the problem with small. And Jesus says this is how growth works. This is how growth begins. Growth always begins absolutely small. And the problem with growth is this. It feels insignificant, doesn't it? I mean, just look at it in your hand. There's something better. Like, I got like probably 20 in my hand, and I feel better about myself, you know, already. And then you just take one, and you're like, wow, that is so piddly, lame, and small. I mean, I can hold it up to you, and you can't see it because my fingers have go over it. Isn't that the problem? Isn't that the problem with, with growth? Is in the initial part of growing, Jesus says it's like a mustard seed. It's small. And small feels insignificant to us. Small feels like it doesn't really matter. Small feels like, you know what, um, it's easy to dismiss or easy to be devalued, doesn't it? It's just a little thing. (coughs) And we live in a culture that celebrates big. Even like weight loss. I mean, just think about this. Biggest loser. Extreme home something. I don't remember what. And you got to have the biggest and the best and the next. And Jesus says, growth, if you want to see growth, if you want to see life change, if you want to see those fruits of the spirits, that become evident. He says it always begins small. And we often dismiss it or overlook it because it feels insignificant. Jesus in Luke 16 says this about small or little. He says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest with much. Uh, The context of this, Jesus is actually talking about money. And he's actually saying money is the little thing and then the big thing. He's like, how if you're not uh, actually faithful with the little thing, which is your finances, how would I entrust you with true riches, which which is kingdom resources or, or making an impact around you? How could I trust you there? See, the greatest determiner of how you respond in the big moments is how you're responding in the little moments. And we think subtly that the big stuff, when it comes, then I'll be the right guy. I'll make the right decisions. And the little stuff doesn't really matter. And Jesus says the little is what accumulates and defines who you are. And when you get to those big decisions, look back over all your little stuff because that's how you're going to respond when you hit those big moments. Think about it. Uh, I was just thinking about this, and I know we got some of our, our college guys back one of those big decisions, guys, you know, and many of you answer this, is what, not only just what school you're going to go to, and we can fight over between San Jose and, uh, and Santa Clara, but what is your major? And you feel so big in these big decisions. But then the little on that, think about this, is what type of student will you be? By the way, that is way bigger of importance than what major Because I tell you, the type of person or the type of student you are will really define what your experience is there. Regardless, people have been getting on me for saying irregardless. Regardless. I caught myself. Thank you very much. It is a word. I looked it up, by the way, for those who are part of that conversation. What, What do you mean, the little? Doing your work with excellence. That's the little. 
And we think, oh man, I've got to make this big thing. And Jesus said, you know, the faithful and the little. And it sometimes feels insignificant. Like, well, it's kind of a throwaway class, or it's an easy A, or I don't really need to show up. Right? He says, no, do it. He says, and whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Well, what about parents? And a lot of you have wrestled around, you know, where do I send my kids to school? And do I do public? Do I do private? Do I homeschool? And I'm going to screw them up, you know? And then the little is, what do you do around the dinner table? What do you do at bedtimes? And I guarantee you, those little moments, they accumulate, and it's a far more weight and value than wherever they went to school. All right, I think about the job area, the work And the big is that big project, you know, and getting that big project done on time and, and, you know, ahead of schedule even and above expectation. You got, wow, man, you knocked it out. And you're like, yeah. And then the little is how you treated people along the way. The little is whether you did it with integrity or whether you cut corners or whether you really did it unto the Lord. See, the problem with small is it's so easy to dismiss. It feels insignificant. And yet Jesus would say, no, no. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And growth, growth always begins small. And so if you dismiss it, you dismiss growth. And if you're waiting for big, you'll miss it. I love what John Ortberg says. He says, the best place to start doing life with God is in the small moments. Some of you haven't started to do life with God because you think it's this big thing and I got to do these big, just start in the small moments. Start practical. Start just like, man, on the way to work, I'm just going to start having a conversation with you, God. Or I'm going to start listening to this podcast. Or, you know what, I'm going to ask my friend, hey, would, would you like to have coffee? And I want to hear what you're learning. It doesn't have to be these big because you won't follow through. Start small. Start in the small moments. Uh, and so if you want to start small, what's the practice of small? Jesus gives it that. He says the problem is it, it feels insignificant. The practice of small is then little steps of faith. Not big, gigantic steps of faith. Little steps of faith. He says take this little mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a little mustard seed. And then he says this. Yet when planted... Now, here's what is amazing, and I just think about this, is you've got to take this little thing, and you have to put it into the earth. And you cover it up, and you kind of water it, and you water it by faith, thinking something is going to happen that is beyond what this little seed is. And it, isn't, it is one of those things where you take something currently that might be of some use now, and you take a step of faith to invest that you might reap greater results later. Jesus said it this way in John 12, 24. The context is actually speaking about himself, and he's speaking about the cross and what he's going to do, and that this is what's happening to him and why he came, that he indeed is the true seed 
but it applies to us as well. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, unless you put something in the earth and let it die, and sometimes your dreams have to die, by the way, and you've been holding on to some dreams, and sometimes some habits have to die, and sometimes some other things in your life have to die, and it might be that job, it might be the school or whatnot. He says, unless it falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. See, the practice of small is little steps of faith. It takes faith to put the little seed in the ground and then wait. Question for you. What are the little steps of faith for you, you just need to take. I, I think about the small and insignificant. As a, as a young kid, I had dreams, oddly enough, when I started in, in high school and God began to get a hold of my heart of being used by God. I don't know where those came from. I think they're from God. And so I, I, I grew up in church world. I grew up around all the kinds of church stuff. And I just said, I want, I want to work at a church. Okay, great. You know what job I got? Yeah, I led amazing ministry and like thousands of people came to Christ. It was awesome, guys. <laughs> oh, no, I was at a church that that was happening, but I was the janitor. And as a janitor, I'd go around and, uh, you know, pull the trash, clean the bathrooms, and pre-married, I didn't fully understand the women's bathroom. <laughs> Still don't like it. <laughs> I'd have to go and set up chairs for other people to do ministry. It felt insignificant. It felt small. It felt like a waste of time. But it's just a little step of, man, I just want, I want to get in the part of the action of however I can. I want to be a part of it, and I want to do what I can. Man, i got to tell you, what was that, 15 years later? It's amazing how God can use that, that experience in a couple years of getting paid minimum wage of being a janitor at the lowest position at a church, and how he's used that today. Because, uh, you know, by the way, we had, in church plant world, I had no idea. That's basically my job in a lot of ways. <laughs> we run around, we set up, we tear down. What, but how about you? What are the little steps of faith? I think maybe with your future, maybe the little step of faith would be to make a to-be list instead of a to-do list about who you long to really be and you begin to prioritize your life around that. And uh, I mean, coming into the fall, coming into some of your kids started school, and some of you guys are starting school and, and work, and you know, you're coming into you know, was third quarter, and okay, got all these results to get done. You got to-do list. But what about a to-be list? Who are you? What about with those of us who have families? Maybe a little step of faith, and, and whether you're in the work world of the demand of, okay, job, job, job. Maybe putting family as a higher priority and saying, you know what, job, 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 but I'm going to have dinner with my family 
I can figure out some other things, but you just need to know that's, that's priority for me. I, I thought about this, and, and maybe uh, some of you, a step of faith would be to, to begin to take a step of generosity, whether you're with your time or your talents or with your, um, with your monies. And, and the benefit or the reap is that you would, you would reap freedom. When you cling on to stuff, you are held captive by your stuff. When you are able to go, man, it's all God's, and and so I get to enjoy it, and I get to help others enjoy it, you experience freedom. Maybe the small step of faith is is really um, the area of integrity. And you know there's some stuff inside of you that you need to get out in the open, and you need to become a whole person instead of a hiding person. And so you say, you know what, this fall, I'm going to take a small step of faith and I'm going to talk to someone about what's going on, or I'm going to, I'm going to make some decisions about what I look at. And it's like a mustard seed and it says, plant that and it begins to grow. And by the way, when you take a step of an integrity, you grow in influence with others around you. You're like, hey, at, at work, everybody does it this way. You take a stand for integrity, I guarantee you, your influence will grow. Maybe, uh, maybe it's the area you just kind of have a, a critical, angry spirit, and you're like, man, I really want to grow on that. And you, you would say, a step of faith is I'm going to choose to be thankful. I'm going to start each day just with thank you, God, for, and just begin to thank God. And that's, a, by the way, That is a powerful step of faith when you thank him for the day to come. You thank him for the coworker that drives you nuts. You thank him for the kids that you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, today, I can tell it's not going to be, thank you, Lord, they're a gift. You say children are a gift. I don't see it, but God, thank you for this work. Thank you for this school schedule. Thank you that I get to be a part here. If you sow thankfulness, you'll reap contentment. It's a process. It grows. Maybe it's spiritually. Where you begin to go, you know, I'm tired of living for just me. I'm going to begin to sow in other people's lives and outside of me spiritually. And the, it says what you grow or what you reap is eternal. Growth always begins small. Problem with it, feels insignificant. The practice is real simple. Jesus is clear. When planted, it takes a little step of faith. Would you get clear on what your little step of faith? And you're like, it doesn't feel like that big of a deal. Yeah, it starts small. Faith grows as you take steps of faith and see him be faithful. But you'll never experience the God who's faithful if you don't put your faith in him. And then finally, you see in the passage the potential of small. The potential of small is extraordinary growth. Extraordinary growth. If you dismiss it at the front end, this looks like just a simple little seed. And go, man, what, what could ever come from that? How, and here's how we wrestle with it, how could God ever use me? What do I have to offer. And what's incredible, I mean, just think about this. this I, mean, I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot more than you have, obviously. 
And so um, I've just been in awe that the reality that a mustard plant grows anywhere between 6 and 12 feet. All from this little guy. Extraordinary growth. In fact, the way uh, Jesus says it this way, he says the birds can perch in its shade. And, and this was a scene as the, in, in the ancient Palestinian days of what they'd see of these birds, and they like to eat some stuff on the plants, and so you'd see these birds kind of all over these trees. Uh, but it also was a pointer back uh, to every good um, Jewish person that was hearing this, which they all were, would have known exactly what Jesus was saying. We miss it because we don't know our Old Testament as well. See, the idea of growth and being most fruitful is that God blesses you that you might be a blessing. So that others can reap the benefit of your growth. The birds can perch in your shade. And you see a few different instances where the Old Testament uses this picture. And in the book of Daniel, it talks about Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is one who was given great influence and he had great domain. And God speaks to him with like that he's this massive tree that the animals come into shade and the birds perch. And then that God's actually going to take that away for a season because he didn't use what God gave him for good for others, but for himself. And then we see it not only on the individual side of this illustration, but then on, on the national side and talking about uh, Assyria and how they were this great nation and, and the same thing happened. But then you see this prophecy from Ezekiel. And Jesus uses this same imagery of what the kingdom of God will be like when he restores things to the way they're meant to be. That, they are, that it's like a cedar that's planted from Lebanon, and it begins to grow, and then all the birds find safety in its branches. See, the potential of small, when we begin to embrace life change, growth always begins small, is extraordinary growth, but not growth for your sake. See, the kingdom is always going, how do we, how do we bring others in? How do we bring others in? It's not for you. It's for a blessing for others. I love this uh, quote uh, by John Maxwell. Uh, He says, Though you cannot go back and have a brand new start, you can start now and have a brand new end. I think that's maybe the starting point for many in this room. As we're talking about absolutely small, and you're going like, yeah, I got it. I, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I can't. My past has already negated it. And God says, no. No, not, not because you've got it figured out, but because of Jesus. I, I love, I mean, just the, the simple passage and simple truth, and we've heard it so many times, and we're coming into, you know, um, football season, you see it at the back of end zones a lot of times, this verse John 3.16 it says, our starting place today, our starting place, your starting place, your beginning point, no matter where you've been or what you've done is one of a place of love it says, for God so loved I mean, I, 
Whether you know God or don't know God, God starts from a place of his affection towards you. And then it's just not like just a select few. It's not just like, hey man, I like you and I love you and ooh, this so, I'm not so sure about you over there. It says God love. What? Anybody? The whole world. Even that coworker you don't really like. Even that classmate that's kind of annoying. Even, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> he says, man, this is the starting place. Not because you've earned it or you deserve it or somehow you have it figured out. God loves every single person on this planet with an intensity and a pursuit like never before. And he says it's this big of a deal to him that he gave, that he would give something for you, that he gave his only son, Jesus. Talking about, Jesus said, the seed, unless a kernel remains by itself, it remains, uh, or it doesn't die, it remains by itself, but it's put in the ground, it'll bear much fruit. And Jesus says, man, that's what I came to do for you. I came Jesus says, to restore life as it was always designed to be. That's his purpose. Not to institute a new religion, not to somehow make you a morally right person, but for you to experience a relationship with the God of the universe. That is the purpose of every single human being on this planet. And every other pursuit is a pursuit to try to somehow fulfill that void inside that we deeply long for our creator because we were created for him. And yet, we can't work our way towards him and so he worked his way to us. And he says, I gave my life for you. You want to know how I loved you? I died for you that you might have life. That whoever believes, small step of faith, small step of faith. I don't have it figured out. I don't really know, but I'm going to put my trust because the way I'm doing it's not really working very well anyways. I'm going to put my trust that Jesus is the Son of God, that he did die, that I might have life. Just, I mean, just think about this. If it's true, it's the most phenomenal news on the planet, that the God of the universe loves you for you and do whatever it takes to be with you, and so he sent his Son to pay for whatever you could not pay, that you might have life. And to prove that he did, by the way, Christianity is not based on a form of teaching, it's based on a historical point in time, the resurrection. And I encourage you, for some in this room, the small step of faith is you're deeply skeptical and you just showed up because she invited you or he invited you. And I didn't invite you. There are so many of us that believe in the historicity of the resurrection that it is an indeed an, an act that happened in time. I just challenge you, investigate it for yourself. Small step of faith. Is it true? Because if it is true, then everything else hangs on that. And if it is true, he is God. And for others, the small step of faith 
is to put your trust in him. Oh God, I've, I've been trying to do life my own way, but I put my hope and my trust in you. Will you come into my life and make me new? He says, that's, that's why we gather, by the way, to bring new life. Not that we can do it, but he has already done it. That's why we're gathering as a church. That's why we sing the songs that we sing. Because we just believe what Jesus said, that the birds can perch in the shade. That we're made to extend the blessing and the favor and the love of God. And our heart's longing, my heart's longing, is that you would experience life as it's always designed to be lived, kingdom life. You step in a love relationship with the God of the universe. And so, I just want to pray a simple prayer. If you're in that spot and you would like to start a relationship with God this morning, nothing magical about the prayer at all, but it is just an invitation to take that small step of faith. Say, God, would you come into my life and make me new? I need you. I invite you to be a step into a relationship with him just right now. And so let me pray for us. And if you wouldn't mind just praying with me. And if you're here and you, you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you've gone, man, that whole love, joy, peace, I want that. He says it starts absolutely small. It starts with just your heart's cry of, God, I need you. And if you wouldn't mind just kind of praying this prayer after me, Jesus, I don't have it all figured out, but I know I need you. And I deeply long to have a relationship with you. Would you please forgive me and come live inside of me? I don't fully get it all, but I do believe you are the Son of God, that you, you died on the cross so that I might have a relationship with you and that you rose to life, defeating death. So would you come into my life in this moment and make me new?